This is Women's Leadership Success.com Radio, episode number 84. What is the world-famous award top women leaders use to enhance their leadership skills that was developed by the former Secretary of Commerce under Ronald Reagan? How are these standards creating world-class leaders? What is the proven template these leaders and companies use to increase team engagement and deliver exceptional results. Join me today to learn about the Malcolm Baldridge Leadership Award and how you can use this to advance your career and your company, whether it is large or small. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life, no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio. Today we're talking with Kay Kendall. She is the CEO and principal of Baldridge Coach and co-author with Glenn Bodenson of Leading the Malcolm Baldridge Way, How World-Class Leaders Align with Their Organizations to Deliver Exceptional Results. Welcome, Kay. Thank you. I'm happy to be on your show. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about um, you and your role in the Baldridge program and then what it is? Okay. Um, I was introduced to the Baldrige uh, framework in the early 1990s and became an examiner, served as a judge for a three-year term limit, and I'm still engaged in the program as an alumni. I've just always been fascinated with it as a, a comprehensive standard of excellence for organizations of all types. And um, in 2009, I left corporate America and uh, joined Glenn Bodenson with Baldrige Coach to start taking my passion for doing this as a volunteer and doing it as a consultant, as well as continuing to still volunteer with the programs. Um, so I'm just a, a big fan of this framework, and I'll talk a little bit more about that um, throughout the interview, if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. And I wonder if you can explain to the people listening um, why knowing about the Baldridge uh, framework can be helpful to them and to their companies and to their careers? Well, the Baldrige framework is non-prescriptive, and so it, it doesn't tell you how to do things, but it asks really insightful questions of senior leaders to be thoughtful and intentional about developing their cultures, about um, looking at their vision and mission and values and reinforcing those. The other thing that I find just really powerful about it is it applies to every single sector, um, it applies to large, complex organizations and very small organizations. So it's highly adaptable, highly flexible. And there aren't many other models out there that I've found that have that kind of power. Beautiful. Who was Mal Malcolm Baldridge? Um, he was the Secretary of Commerce under Ronald Reagan. And in the late 1980s, um, he had been a businessman prior to becoming Secretary. Uh, in the late 1980s, he became concerned about America's growing lack 
of competitiveness in manufacturing, particularly in the automotive and electronics industries, where the Japanese attention to quality was taking the market share. He asked a group of thought leaders to create a standard of excellence by which organizations could be evaluated, and those that demonstrated systematic processes and achieved world-class results would be recognized with the Presidential Award. He died tragically from an injury he sustained in a rodeo contest, and his friend Malcolm Baldur, <laughs> friend Ronald Reagan, uh-huh. had the award named in his honor. Oh, nice. So companies that actually get the Baldrige Award, um, do they perform better than other companies? What's oh, much better, much better. In fact, there have been several studies recently uh, in the healthcare sector that have evaluated uh, recipients of the Baldrige Award or those who at least received a site visit against their peer groups. And in uh, six out of the seven major uh, clinical outcomes, they perform significantly better than than their peers. Um, we see that in, in other industries as well. These are really world-class organizations. So, Kay, when you say they perform better, does that mean they have higher profits? What, what are the what are the criteria for better performance? Well, um, that's what's also pretty interesting about this uh, criteria is that the results are evaluated across five different areas. So there's customer-focused results. So, for instance, those would be the the requirements that customers have and the measures against those. So in healthcare, it would be um, getting better. Uh, in manufacturing, it would be about having product quality mm-hmm. and, and good delivery performance. Then the next area is on customer satisfaction results. The third area is on workforce results. The fourth area is on leadership and governance. And the fifth is financial and marketplace performance. So these recipients have performance across a variety of dimensions that's really at high levels. Beautiful. Um, as I mentioned to you before we started the show, I I really enjoyed your book because it had it has so much more information than I could possibly ask you about in in the 25 minutes that we're going to be talking, um, and so we're going to just cover a f- few aspects of what you cover in your book. But I wonder if you could share with us uh, why em- employee engagement is so important to an organization's success. Oh, it's it's really critical. There are just too many studies that have been conducted showing the relationship between employee engagement, uh, customer loyalty, profitability, marketplace success. And, and there's also just a very practical matter of employee engagement. We see you have a highly engaged workforce, you reduce your turnover, and turnover is expensive. Um, but perhaps what we found was even more significant were the costs that have been determined to be associated with the disengaged workforce. 37% higher absenteeism, 49% more workplace accidents, and 60% more errors and defects. So what organization can afford those? Right, and you also, in your book, you say that what's the, what's the percentage of most companies' workforce that is engaged um, by by a couple different um, surveys and, and research, it's generally under thirty percent. Wow, that's that's pretty shocking. And talk it's about me <laughs> changing changing what's happening in a company. Um, and it's, there's a question I want to ask you a little later that will relate to this too. But I'm th- this is such a 
such an important and profound piece of information that you just shared, and I'm wondering why more members of senior management don't work harder to try and engage their employees. Um, you know, we wonder that, too, because t- to us the, the, the data is pretty compelling. Um, but it, it really requires a certain type of leader, um, one who genuinely believes that his or her workforce is an asset to be developed and not just a distraction to be dealt with. And it, it requires a certain humility um, that that senior leaders don't feel like they have to know all the answers. And, and it also requires time on the senior leader's part to really help people connect with the greater purpose of their organization. So it's it's a really, really different mindset for, this, for the leader to have. Um, and how important is that leader's vision to the the how vital is it to the company's success? It's critical, and that's really reflected in, in the Baldrige criteria, Baldrige framework. The first item in the criteria is called senior leaders. And the first question in the criteria is, how do senior leaders set your organization's vision and values? And then it goes on to ask, how do senior leaders' personal actions reflect a commitment to those values? And we heard about the importance of the vision and values from nearly every leader that we interviewed for our book. Interesting. Can you share an example with us? Um, well, I, I have a great example. We went out to an organization, Midway USA, which is a two-time Baldrige Award recipient. And the day that we got out there, we saw employees on the sidewalks, um, on their knees, wearing safety glasses, and etching something into the sidewalks. And the CEO and founder, Larry Potterfield, told us about this. They were actually etching the concrete values. Um, He wants to make it crystal clear that these are permanent values. These are not something that they adopt and discard based on a convenience. And when they first planned on doing this, they were going to hire um, some outside firm to do this etching. And when the employees heard about it, they demanded to be the ones to do it. Oh, my gosh. That's how engaged they were. So here's another funny story about that. Okay. Larry told us afterwards, after the all the values had been etched in front of each one of their buildings and then had been painted in so that they stood out, he was watching and the employees wouldn't walk on the values because they, they felt like it was disrespectful. So they would skirt aside. <laughs> <laughs> They've finally gotten over it now, but I think that was pretty funny. Oh, that that is that is really... That is priceless. I love that. So my my next question, I'm almost embarrassed to ask you because it seems like it should be a no-brainer, but because I work in corporations, I see this all the time. So here's the question. You, you express the importance in using data to drive engagement. How does data promote healthy competition? Well, I'll get to the competition piece in just a minute. Okay. But let me just explain how using data drives engagement. How is Super Bowl's coming up, right? Right. How many of us would watch that if we never knew the score? None of us, probably. <laughs> okay. But, but many leaders are wary of sharing information, financial and otherwise, with their employees. And as a result, they're asking their employees to come to work, the equivalent of playing or watching a game, every single day without telling them the score, without letting them know how they're doing. And as to the healthy competition, several of the organizations we feature in the book 
Use positive reinforcement to recognize the top performing store, business unit, or department. There isn't anything punitive for the low performers, but they pretty quickly want to be top performers for the recognition. And the recognition, in most cases, costs very little money. It's a pizza party, an item with the organization's logo, or, or a nominal gift card. Right. So it really, people do better if an organization is transparent and lets them know how they're doing. Absolutely. Whether it's individually or as a whole group, that makes so much sense. Can you tell us what gain sharing is and how it drives engagement? Well, gain sharing is a a, um, defined plan, and it varies by organization, that basically tells the employees that a certain percentage of the profit will be shared with them if they meet organizational objectives. Now, not all the employ- not all the organizations featured in our book use gain sharing, but those that do point out that employees like knowing that their contributions to the success of the organization don't just benefit the executives and the stockholders. And what we also found too though is gain sharing also exerts a little pressure on the underperforming employees because their peers will expect them to do their part. Interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Um, This uh, next question, I'm really curious about your answer to this. You you talk about the importance of maintaining momentum when there's a downturn. Um, And what I see happen so many times in companies that I work with is when things start going downhill, everybody kind of... uh, collapses their efforts. And um, using the, the Baldridge framework, what are some methods that y- that you use to help an organization under these circumstances um, keep their employee engagement? Well, we featured um, several organizations that, that faced a significant downturn, and, and I'll just tell the story about one of them. Um, Paul Worstel is the former CEO of ProTech Coding Company. It's a small business Baldrige recipient in 2007. And he talked with us about a precipitous set of events that hit them after receiving the award. So in the summer of 2008, the company was operating at 115% equipment utilization. They had a solid track record of profitability with greater than 30% profit sharing with the associates. So this was an organization that did gain sharing. In September of 2008, the automotive industry in the U.S. nearly collapsed, and that's the company's sole customer base. Wow. So nearly overnight, the equipment utilization dropped to just 40%. So using the culture that they developed during their Baldrige journey, they appealed to their employees to come up with ideas to save costs, and they did, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the company had never had a layoff, and the leaders were committed to avoiding one. So they pulled in all the work that had been outsourced, security, housekeeping, groundskeeping, and the senior leaders demonstrated their personal commitment by taking over some of the jobs themselves. In fact, Paul Paul told us that as president of the company, his job was cleaning the men's restroom on the second floor of the administration building. Wow. And they survived the downturn and had no layoffs. That's that's a great story. Um, You you also... uh, talk about some common characteristics that the leaders of the Baldridge award-winning organization share. What are these characteristics? Well, one was that the leaders genuinely were focused on improving their organizations 
and not just on getting the award. And in fact, we, we had a, a CEO of a healthcare recipient who shared at a conference that they'd been on this journey for a while and he really, really wanted the award. And what he realized was happening was that he was engendering a lot of cynicism in his workforce because they just said, why are we, why are we doing all this hard work just to have our, our CEO get a Baldrige Award? Mm-hmm. And he really became introspective about that and realized he had done the wrong thing for his organization. And so he started focusing on and communicating that the real objective was making the organization award-worthy. Beautiful. That was the year they, was the year they won. That's beautiful. Um, and then as part of the award process, organizations submit applications and get feedback from trained examiners. And these leaders really valued the feedback. So here's an, an example of that. In the history of the Baldrige Program, there have been 106 unique organizations that have won the award. Mm-hmm. But there have been seven that have won it twice. So why would you apply again after you've already won it? You've already got the prestige after the five-year waiting period. It's because they wanted that feedback. Beautiful. Because, uh, of the, because the feedback was so valuable. Um, tell me, tell me more about what, the, what did the feedback do? So, so the feedback reports contain strengths and opportunities for improvement. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of organizations, particularly if they're in regulated industries, they only get audits. Mm-hmm. They only tell them what they're doing wrong. And a lot of leaders talked about the value of having their strengths validated and being able to share that objective feedback with their workforce to say, look, it's not just us pumping you up. This is what the Baldrige examiner saw. These are the great things that you do and are recognized. That's that's really beautiful. And also, not only are you giving them feedback, but we don't we don't usually get to hear it in an objective way. Um, so many times, don't you think in companies there's a kind of an, a point of view or an emotional way of saying things that may not really give you a good perspective on what you're really good at or what, where you need to improve? Well, I, I think, you know, I actually had a CEO at the closing meeting of a site visit that I was leading talk about the value of the Baldrige feedback. And and he said, you know, we don't have a customer, we don't have a supplier, we don't have a consultant, we don't have anybody that really doesn't have some agenda. But because of the Baldrige Code of Conduct and conflict of interest that we're required to sign as examiners, we can have no financial gain in, or, or, or uh piece of that organization, we are barred from any association with an organization that we examined for five years. So you can't, do, you can't examine an organization and try to get a job with them. Um, so the examiners really have a purely objective view of that organization and just want to help them improve. Well, it sounds like one would learn a lot just by being an examiner as, as well as having being examined. Oh, absolutely. That's why I continue to serve as an alumni examiner. I still learn, and I'm still happy to help other organizations get better. Nice. So do you have any suggestions for how businesses can attract, develop, and advance women? I'm just wondering, in doing the Baldridge, have you noticed, have have women shown up in any certain kind of way, or do you have any suggestions for women? Um, this this is not particularly related to Baldrige, but it is just my own experience. Nothing speaks louder than having women on the senior leadership team. 
it lets other women know that advancement is possible in that organization. And I'm a big believer in the role of mentoring in the development of women, particularly in male-dominated industries. I worked in aerospace for 15 years, and I had several mentors over that time. And frankly, early on, my mentors were male. And I'll always be grateful for their wisdom, insight, and advice. I also believe that as women advance in their careers, it's time to pay back. As I reached executive-level positions, I made it a goal to serve as mentors for other young women. Well, good for you. That's, I know everybody listening uh, probably is saying the same thing. Thank you for doing that. That is, that is wonderful. I'm just wondering, is, so for the people listening, is there an advantage to getting a really good understanding of the Malcolm Baldridge way, even though your company um, hasn't signed up to do this yet? So, oh, absolutely. I, I feel like that's... Uh, one of the things that we tried to do in the book was take best practices from these award recipients, but without saying you can only adopt these best practices or adapt them if you're if you're formally committed to jumping on the Baldur's journey. Okay. Because um, we know that's not possible or practical for every organization. Okay. The other thing, I'm thinking of a couple of organizations that I was working with where uh, women were on the leadership team or somebody I was working with was on the leadership team that was considering um, the Baldridge Way, what would be good for them to study or know that would help them lead the effort or really be part of that team that's putting this all together? Well, I think the the book um, will give them at least a flavor of it. And then um, the, the Baldridge National Program has a terrific website, that has lots of getting started tips, lots of um, very useful, practical uh, pieces of information. And the other thing that I'd like your listeners to know is that there's an alliance of Baldridge-based programs serving almost every state and region, and you can find that too through the Baldridge National website. And I would I would encourage them to reach out to their state or regional programs. So do, are there conferences or Things That's they can a great go to. Lead in. <laughs> great lead in. <laughs> the Quest for Excellence Conference is in February coming up, and it's um, a two and a half day conference where the current Baldrige Award recipients, as well as others, come and share their best practices. There's usually about a thousand attendees, and I've been to several of these conferences, and I, I will tell you, to me, they are the they are the best bargain uh, for an instant immersion. And the other thing that's really impressive to me is the the senior leaders that present are extremely transparent. If you ask them what problems did you have, what would you do differently, they are very candid, very candid. And again, other than for strictly proprietary information for the organization, they share so much. That's beautiful, Kay. And you know, my, in my experience, going to a really, really good conference is so worth the money. If your company pays for it, great, but if they don't, think about investing yourself because it can be so valuable to your career. Absolutely, and and that's that's another thing I'd like to piggyback on. The mm-hmm. networking that you are able to do at this Quest for Excellence conference is huge. And, and the great thing is you're already being around like-minded people who are interested in improving their organizations. Fantastic. Well, is there anything else that you want 
any other suggestion you want to give the audience before we say goodbye to you today? Um, take a look at the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Leading the Malcolm Baldridge Way, definitely. I suggest everybody do that. And thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you. Okay. I hope you like this show. If you did, I would really appreciate your help. I need more great reviews in iTunes or Stitcher.com because every great interview we get allows more women like you to discover the show and will help them to succeed too. Please visit iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to Women's Leadership Success Podcast. Also, I really appreciate you sharing my show with your friends and associates. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.